hey, this is one of the most important parts of the entire business. When that person gets onboarding, that is going to dictate how they perform and how they feel about you long term. I need to put a lot of time, energy and effort into this. And you're going to see the time, energy and effort that we put into the onboarding process. But I know what happens when you don't. This is a topic not enough gym owners put energy into. We're focused on the leads. We're focused on this or that. This is a long-term play. This is taking care of your team, get an amazing experience, especially I'm gonna call out gym owners with high team turnover. I would say you're probably not doing this and you're not, or you're not doing it to the level you could be. So this is a, the fix. This is not a band-aid. This is the, to keep people longer term. We know no one's gonna stay forever, but this is how you get people bought into your business and not having wandering eyes looking at the next gym they wanna go to. Welcome to the Fitness Empire Podcast, where we show gym owners how to dominate their competition and build a massively profitable fitness business. Dustin and Matt collectively own 12 gyms and have a combined 30 years of experience in the fitness industry. They're here to help gym owners create an empire of impact and income. Hello, hello, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well, you beautiful fitness empire builders out there. We're excited to have you guys here for another episode of the Fitness Empire podcast. Before we jump into it, shameless plug, my new book is dropped on Amazon officially, Reinforce Your Gym, 10 years of gym ownership knowledge dumped in here, 20 years of being a trainer, all compressed into a nice short book that you can enjoy and read. I think 100 and what we got here, 100 and 180 pages. So 180 pages of direct content for gym owners. So guys, it's called the firepower you need to build a million dollar fitness business. And that's because I did it myself. And I know Matt Wilbur has done the same. And we, I took what I knew and I, I've learned from him things that I've learned on my own. And I've put them in here and I put them out there to help you guys to grow your business. Do me a favor, go grab one, give it a five-star review. It is written for you, for gym owners, by gym owners. So definitely would appreciate some support there. And thank you, Matt, because I know you got some for you and your team, dude. They're going to love it. I'm telling you right now, there's good stuff in there for them. Yeah, we bought 10 today. I'll probably buy more for all our leaders. And I'm just going to put this out there. If you don't get 100 times the return on your investment, I think it's 15 bucks on Amazon. It's 99 cents on Kindle. Message me and I will give you a refund out of my own pocket, <laughs> even though I get nothing out of this, except for I, I know the material in there it will make a massive difference on your business. It'll make a massive difference on your mindset of how you think about your business. And it's worth every single penny. Invest a week of your time to read the book. Invest $15 or 99 cents if you have the Kindle version. And if you don't get 100 times the return, I will give you, I'll happily stroke you a check for 15 bucks <laughs> and i mean that in all sincerity i will give well, you a refund thank you i officially have the matt wilbur guarantee on the book and that needs to get its own little like symbol there at the bottom so i appreciate that thank you sir let's go <laughs> all right guys we got a special topic as we've been following this theme of getting high player high performers a players rock stars all into your business so that you can build a business of your dreams you can build that million dollar business i'll tell you right now i couldn't have done it alone off of my back and i would even challenge you the listener to tell me a business that is built off of one person but often gym owners wake up every day 
and jump into the battlefield thinking that is what's going to help them to get to the next stage in business. And I'm not here to tell you, you don't need to work. You don't need to put in the effort, but you do need to assemble your dream team. And that is one of the sections in my book. So that's what we're really pushing during this whole series. So if you haven't heard it, go back to the beginning of the series, but we've been covering it in sequential order, which is really cool in our way of making it easy on you. So today is all about the onboarding. And we know it makes sense when you're going to bring a client on board. You sold them. You got them to buy the trial, the challenge, or to come in and work with you. We know that onboarding experience is critical because they are judging you on this first impression. They're saying to themselves, they better really impress me. Otherwise, I'm not going to continue on. And so we put a lot of energy into onboarding clients. But what we're here to talk about is do you put that same energy into onboarding your team? Because their level of conviction in the business, their level of conviction in how you do things, their excitement to join this company all comes from the onboarding. And so I know Matt has an amazing experience. That's why I asked him, hey, dude, can you go over yours in deep detail so that these gym owners can take it and implement it in their business? And that's what we're about to do. So Matt, take it away whenever you're ready, my friend. This is where a lot of businesses drop the ball. You put in all this effort, all this work to find the right person. And then we drop the ball and we give a lackluster experience. And I really want you to understand that how you onboard will dictate how new hires perform and how they feel mm -hmm. about your company from the very beginning. And a lot of people don't put any time, energy, or effort into this. And they do tribal training where we're just going to throw them in there and they're going to learn from everybody else. That's not good enough if you want to build a fitness empire, if you truly want to be the CEO. And Dustin talked about owning a business. And I will say you can't own a business if you're the only employee. You don't have a business. You just have a job. You really have a business. Is when If you can step away, can you go on vacation for two to four weeks and your business is operating just as good or better? It's improving. The metrics are getting better and it's not falling apart. And the only way you can do that is if you hire great team members and you train them properly and give them the resources and you empower them to be awesome at their job, even when you are not there. If your business truly relies on you 100%, you do not technically have a business. I know for some people, they don't like hearing that, but that's just the truth. But what a lot of people do when they hire somebody, it's a lot like, a let's pretend you got married. And... You poured everything into dating that person. You loved them up. You did everything. You got married. And then once you got married, you decided, hey, I'm going to neglect them. And I'm going to not provide them any time, energy. And I'm not going to put any effort into them. What would happen to your marriage? What would that person think about you? What would they be thinking about? What did I just get myself into? That is what a lot of you do when you hire somebody. It's like, Congratulations. Welcome to the team. And... Now my job is done of onboarding that person. They signed the paperwork. We're legally good to go. Good luck. We hope you perform really well. And that's what a lot of people do. I know I used to do that. And this is, again, 10 years of experience, but going, hey, this is one of the most important parts of the entire business. When that person gets onboarding, that is going to dictate how they perform and how they feel about you long term. I need to put a lot of time, energy, and effort into this. And you're going to see the time, energy, and effort that we put into the onboarding process. But I know what happens when you don't. I know what the cost is when you don't do this correctly. 
The downstream effects of not doing this correctly are massive. So I'd encourage you, when you look through the lens of this episode, I'm not asking you to do all the things that I do or all the things that Dustin does, but how can you improve your onboarding process? And when you do that, you're going to turn people into amazing coaches, amazing team members that pay dividends for the rest of your life. But when you don't do it, it will pay dividends in the opposite. It'll be taking withdrawals from your bank account for years to come if you don't do this correctly. So we're going to break up this episode into two episodes because if it was one episode, we would have a Joe Rogan three-hour episode. And I don't think anyone wants to listen to me or Dustin talk for three hours long. So we're going to break it up into two different two different sections because the onboarding process inside of our company is really a 12-week process. It's not orientation, it's not vision day, and then they disappear and that's their onboarding process, which is most companies. It's 12 weeks of intentional training our team. And when you think about the onboarding process, but when you think about systems in general, what you want to think about is what is the outcome and the feeling that I want to produce? When I do this activity, what is the outcome and the feeling that I want to produce? No different than any system in your business. When you are doing a one-on-one, we call them starting point sessions, but if you're doing a sales appointment, what is the outcome and the feeling that you want to produce with that client? When somebody comes through your doors and you greet them, or they come and do a workout inside of your business, I'm not providing them workout. What is the outcome and the feeling that I want to produce? How do I want them feeling when they walk out the doors for that day? So that is a system. So when you think about your onboarding process, what is the outcome and the feeling that you want to produce with your team? So we're going to go through my process. But before I go through that process, is there anything else you want to add, Dustin? I just want to really highlight what you said, because I think this has been very critical for even me to think differently, is when you said, what is it that you want the person to feel? So I know we're talking onboarding, but I'll just share a different example if I have to collect past dues and if I just write, Hey, your past due, we need to get this taken care of. I'm checking this box. I'm telling my boss, I got, I text them and I wrote it in a very flat matter of fact way that might, how did that person feel on the other end of that text? Or I might say, Hey, this is Dustin. I'm sure this is a mistake. Maybe your card expired. I don't know, but I just want to take this time to get this updated so that there's no interruptions in your service. A little bit more customer service, right? Makes the person feel better about it. But that's still written. Sometimes that could even get misconstrued. The even better way would be I catch the person at the gym. I talk to them on the phone. They can hear my compassion and my care that, yes, there is this business matter. That's what I'm calling you about. But also you can hear that I'm not like attacking you or making you feel bad or feel like you're broke. You got no money or your accounts past due. All three of them are getting the same job done all three elicit a different feeling. So understand that this applies to your clients, but what Matt's going to really focus on today, how do you make your team feel about being part of your team and being part of your company and being part of your mission? That trickles to your clients. And the better you make your team feel, the better they're going to make your clients feel. So again, that was a really good, helpful filter that you downloaded in my mind, Matt, that I'm looking at it with everything we do now. How will this make the person feel? So I just want everyone else to really hear that because it's been very eye-opening. Yeah. If you ever do a lot of coaching with me, I always say we're actually in the feelings business and everything that we do is about what's the feeling that we want to produce and being intentional about the feeling that we want to produce. A little bit of disclaimer here on the onboarding process. 
process is I have a lot of locations. A lot of people listening have one gym. You may be able to condense some of these parts based on what you're doing. If I had one gym, I would do this a little bit differently. I would combine the orientation day with the vision casting day all in one day. But I do it once a month because we are hiring two to four new people every single month for our businesses that it would be impossible for me to execute this on a consistent basis with the amount of energy and effort that we put into this. And you're going to see that energy and effort and intentionality in everything that we do. And that is the biggest separated. One of the biggest compliments I ever received from somebody that I coached before is they're just like, you are hyper intentional about everything that you do. And that is strategy, right? Being strategic about, again, what's the outcome? What's the feeling? And then how do we go about producing that? So the first thing that we do when we onboard a team member after we make the offer, congratulations, welcome to the team. We have them come to an orientation day and we have them come up to orientation day with somebody on our leadership team. And she is full of energy. She makes you feel so welcome. She makes you feel good. She's the first, first interaction with our business. With that, think about who is interacting with that team member on their first day. Make sure that is the representative that you want interacting with that person. If you have somebody on your team that is maybe not so great with people, they don't have really great energy and they're just checking a box and they're going through the paperwork and they're going through the presentation and they're just getting it done because Dustin told them to get it done, but they really don't want to be there. How are you making that person feel? So be very strategic about who are you putting in front of new hires when they first get started. So we do paperwork. Obviously, we go over the rule book that we have. We have a employee handbook that we go through. The most important things, ground level expectations, core values. We lay out what their first 12 weeks is going to look like for us. We provide them the structure of knowing what they can expect from us during the first 12 weeks. We provide them with the uniform and we have a coaching playbook that walks them through exactly what they need to do over the next 12 weeks. And it's our system of how do we develop great coaches. And we will talk about that in the next podcast. So you can start creating your own onboarding process, your own coaching playbook and systems of how do you create great coaches. That will be next week. So make sure you tune into that. After that, they go and hang out with their facility leader. So the facility leader will walk them through what are the expectations of the locations. They'll go over like cleaning and all those kinds of things that they need to do. And then what we do is we have them go to lunch with the team. So the whole team goes to lunch. They start creating relationships. They start creating bonds outside of the location. And then we do one of two things depending on the situation that we are in ideal world, we have that person do their first six weeks of training in a different facility. And I'll talk about why we do that in just a second. If we don't have them do it in a different facility, then their schedule is that location's leader's schedule. Every time that person, the facility leader is working, that person is working and going through their 12-week playbook so that they're getting the development that they need to have. Now, the reason why we like to send them to a different location is because when they first start, their confidence level is going to be really low. Their skills are going to be really low. And we don't want them necessarily in front of the clients that they're supposed to be leading. If you're not very good at your job at first, 
clients are already making a judgment of you. You're already breaking the trust relationship with that client from the very beginning because the, the clients are seeing you struggle. The clients are seeing you don't know what you're doing. The clients are seeing that you're not doing the warm up correctly or you're not coaching the stations the way you're supposed to be doing because they've been around forever. And that's just not how you do it. The high C's, if you follow the disc profile, the owls of the world, they know how it's supposed to be done. And it actually disturbs them when you're not doing it the way it's supposed to be done or the way it's always been done around here. So that you're putting a giant spotlight on your new hires of them not being good at their jobs. And then it's going to be really hard for them to lead those clients in the future. So we'd rather them make the mistakes outside of the facility. So the first time they're working in the facility, the clients see them being good at their job, which then makes it easier to build relationships and trust with those clients and allow that coach to be able to lead them. So that is something that we actively do. If you don't have a lot of locations, that's going to be a little bit hard to do, but your 12 weeks, I just want to drop the seed and then I'll turn it over to Dustin is with our 12 week playbook. One of the most important things that you're trying to do with your coaches is you want to develop their skills, but the biggest thing is you want to develop their confidence. So everything that we do is proactively coaching and training our coaches, not reactive. Most businesses train reactively. They screwed up. You made a mistake. Now I'm providing you feedback. Even though, and think about it, where are they making their mistakes? They're making their mistakes in front of your clients. That is not a good thing to do. So what we do is we meet, we just try to keep our coaches one day ahead, one day ahead of what we're asking them to do. So we have the, the workout for the day, the next day, we're training that coach on, here's what you're going to be doing tomorrow. Here's how we want you to coach it. Here's how you're going to progress clients. This is how you're going to regress clients. And then they walk in that day with confidence of what exactly they need to do. And they look good in front of the clients. We never want them looking bad in front of the clients. And I learned this at the University of Michigan. I was an intern at the University of Michigan with their strength and conditioning program. And we had to be there at 5 a.m. I think the workout started at 6 o'clock. And about 10 to 20 minutes before the athletes would come in, one of the coaches would come up, all right, you're going to be at this station. This is what you're going to be coaching. This is what you're going to be doing. Any questions? And then you had these division one athletes coming in and you had to be confident enough to lead them. But every day I'd come in all nervous and scared and I didn't know what was going to be happening. I didn't know what I was going to be doing that day. I didn't know how to do a good job. If they would have just taught me the day before, I would have been thinking about it all night of like, how do I do this really well? And I would have came in with confidence that morning versus stress and anxiety and worry. All your coaches, when you are not proactively teaching and coaching them, are coming in with stress, anxiety, and worry because every human on this planet wants to do a good job. But until you teach them how they're going to do a good job, they don't know how. So if you just change one thing after listening to this podcast, spend the day before getting them ready for the next day. You're going to give them the skills that they need to succeed. You're going to give them the confidence that they need to succeed. And that is going to compound because when somebody gets confident and they develop the skills, they get competence. And then that loop just keeps going. But if they don't have the confidence, they're never going to get the competence and then they're never going to be able to lead people. And then why would you want a team member walking through your doors every morning at 4 a.m. with stress, worrying, and anxiety when it's preventable? Yes. 
All right, I'm going to shut up on that. What do you got, Dustin? No, I just love this so much. I think what I want to share to the people who are one-off gym owners, how could you hack this and make it work for you? Because Matt said, hey, we have another facility. So they're going to location B or C to get prepared to train it. So they don't see them make those mistakes and they don't have a negative first impression. It's genius. But what do you do for single location owner? A couple ideas come to my mind. Matt, tell me what you think about them. Number one, let them practice on you, the owner or the team. Let them give you a workout. They're in a safe place now. Sometimes they're a little bit more nervous around the owner. So you, that's why I say the team, like maybe they go give the team a workout. Even though I try to be really casual and really be like easy to talk to, they just get clammed up because they know you own the place. So it's okay. If you're going to contribute to their nervousness and anxiety, remove yourself from the equation, let them give a coach or a group of coaches a workout. The second would be, you can ask some of your clients that you trust their opinion the most to, to staying around after a session or to have a private session that you normally don't offer at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. And just say, hey, I only need about five or 10 of you guys. You guys are going to get a bonus workout, close doors with this client or this coach. Could you give them feedback? And then my final idea for you guys would be to just have them do the opposite schedule time that they would normally do. So if you're planning to make them a morning coach, have them come and do the evening coach. Yes, they're learning with the evening clients, but again, you got to work with what you have. Oh, actually, this is one other idea that I've done in the past. I've done it. This is an open invitation to everybody, but I've done it and I'm, I do it with others. I've had coaches from other locations that I'm friends with the gym owner. They send them to us to just learn and to get some of those ugly reps out of their system and then could do that with the gym owner locally. And if you guys are, again, running a similar model, let them go there. Obviously, you're going to have to tell them what you do differently, but we've done that if you're very friendly with somebody and you got a similar model. So just want to give you guys like, I see the solutions. I see the options. I see a way out when most people just see the problem. They hear what Matt said and say, I don't own multiple gyms. I can't do it. So I want to show you there's multiple ways you can make that happen. Just get their ugly reps out, right? The first sales calls are always your ugliest. Your first sessions are your ugliest. Get them out, not in front of the clients that you plan to have them serve every day. And then the other way you go about that is you just minimize the damage that they could do by taking a stepladder approach of every week, you give them a little bit more. And I'll walk you through what we do in our locations. And obviously it'll be dependent on, is this boot camp? Is this small group? Is this one-on-one -on -one type of training? So you got to understand that there's nuance to what we're talking about here. But what we do is we take it into each week we have, we progress them every single week, but let's just say they're doing boot camp and they got to get on the mic. They're not going to do a full session. They're going to do the warm up. So for a week, yes. they're just going to do the warm up. That's go. it. So we're, another, we're another building player. their skills and their confidence. Then after that, we might have them do one, one station. And then you just keep adding. And one of that is just damage control. So we do this with our interns too is we want to get them on the mic and start developing them, but we do not want them to throw off the entire session and it'd be bad. So if it's bad, it's only going to be bad for a little bit of time, but the only way to get better is to practice. And then to Dustin's point, the day before you can have them, if they're going to be on the mic, instead of the first time with them being on the mic for warm up, have them practice the warm up in front of you so yes. that they're doing it correctly and they're getting their bad reps ahead of time whether that's with you, whether that's with a group of people, just getting them to practice and role play what they're about to do before they have to go do it is just so beneficial. Does it take time? Does it take effort? Do you have a hundred other things that you probably could be doing? Yes. 
but yes. your number one job is your product and your product is your people. Yes. So make sure that's on point. That's more important than whatever else you have going on. And if you invest the time, the energy on the front ends, it will pay dividends for years to come. Yes. Or it will gonna, have withdrawals from your bank account for years to come. Your choice. <laughs> I'm going to throw Invest an 12 weeks. And I think this is something that I've seen many times, and maybe you have too, Matt, where we see somebody do something good enough that we think that box is checked, move on to the next thing. And we'll even ask the person, do you got it? Do you know how to do this? And they're saying, yeah, because they're nervous and they don't want to take your time. They know you're busy, all this stuff. But then the number one thing you ask after a day of training or after your first week, what do you think you need some more? And they're like, you know what? I just need more training. And I think they say that phrase, it's very vague and you're like, you're frustrated. What exactly? Tell me like, what do you need more training on? We just spent the week training. What do you need more and more training? But they're basically saying they just need more time and retention. They need more reps, right? Yeah. And so that, that's what you're saying is like, hey, we want to be, sometimes we can be shorter with our team and very customer service driven with our clients. And I think you need to have your customer service hat on with your team. You won't be mad if you explain how to eat. And then a client's like, can you say explain that again? I don't understand. And you're like, no, no problem. I'll explain it. You're patient now and you have your customer service. And then team, we're like, come on, I already went over this week. Let's go. And so be patient with them. Put on your customer service hat with them. Say, oh, no, okay, no problem. We're going to go over that again. And that's really what I want everyone to hear in this is this is your product. That's what I love you just said, Matt. So be patient, give it time, nurture it, take care of it, make sure it's excellent so that you can proudly go out and sell it to the world and be have something you're proud of. So again, just want to double, your, double your job. On. Your job is to serve at the end of the day, whether you're serving your team, yes. whether you're serving your clients, that is your job. Take the time to do this right. It, yes. You might want somebody tomorrow to be ready to go, but you're going to create way more pain. So when we talked about in the very first episode that, that a lot of people like, don't want to have that temporary pain, right? But take on the temporary pain of training people correctly so you don't have the long-term pain of not training them correctly. The next thing that we do, which I feel is just massively important, is I do a vision casting day. I have an HQ. We're in Grand Haven, Michigan, if you ever want to come and visit. But we have a training room and we have them come in. I spend four to six hours, usually on a Monday. I just did it this Friday, Friday afternoon, whatever works, right? I spend that amount of time. I have all the locations that I have going on. I have multiple other businesses that we are running that you all hear about eventually. But we have a lot going on. And every month I make four to six hours to do the vision casting day. And I go all in on the vision casting day. And when we talk about what are we trying to accomplish in a vision casting day, I want them bought in and excited about the vision and the mission of the company. Who doesn't? But what are you doing to get them bought in? And what are you doing to get them excited? And why we have the most important jobs in the entire world, but also where we're going as a company. We're doing big things. And I want them to see their future and I want them to see opportunity in what we're doing. Create proper expectations of me and our company. Some of the biggest mistakes I've ever made and some of the biggest frustrations in the company are just because I haven't set proper expectations of myself. What can you expect of me? Because a lot of people's frustrations in life are when what they expect and what happens are not aligned. So my goal is to, what's about to happen 
is aligned with your expectations. And if we can do that, we're going to have good mental states going into this. But if we don't, then eventually there's going to be frustration. There's going to be resentment. There's going to be talking behind the scenes. And it is all avoidable if you just set proper expectations on the front end. Understand what it takes to win inside of their position, inside of our company. If they have KPIs, we'll go over those. Core values for the entire company. How do we live those out? How do they live and uphold our company's core values? And really going in depth on we're a feedback culture. So really understanding the importance of taking feedback, having a growth mindset, and setting them up for proper expectations. Because over the next 12 weeks, they are going to get a lot of feedback. And if you're not pre-framing that and letting them know, it's going to feel like they're getting gut punched every single day when they're getting that feedback versus saying, hey, this is just how we get you better. This is how you improve. It's good for you. And also, I like to try to set that up in a sense of setting my leaders up for success when it comes to being able to give them feedback versus the leader having to go and give them feedback. Imagine if you had team members seeking feedback and saying, hey, how can I get better? What are the things that you can see me improving on? Because a lot of people struggle to give feedback. A lot of people don't want to give feedback. Imagine if you had team members coming to you seeking it and wanting to improve. That'd be pretty awesome. You can pre-frame that on day one if you're intelligent. Understand our non-negotiables. So sleeping with clients, non-negotiable. I can't tell you how many people we've had to fire for sleeping with married women that have kids. That's the problem, Matt. When you get people healthy and fit and they're all sexy looking, now like they start getting wandering eyes. And we warn the wives. We're like, hey, you might get pregnant. Your husband might start chasing you around the house. That's the problem <laughs> of pregnant with us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but again, setting know, professionalism. Anything Don't that, touch that anything that has happened in the past, I go over. Like the, these things mm. can't happen. Mm. People put themselves in bad positions. A lot of it though, and we cover this in orientation, is how do we put yourself in a position that you don't put yourself in a bad position? How do we not create the environment for making stupid decisions? So really trying to protect themselves from themselves before it ever happens. Another non-negotiable is when we go over core values, we talk about drama and what does drama actually look like in, in our locations. A lot of people learn by telling them what not to do. These, this is how you don't do it. And an example of this, when you're teaching form inside of a class or one-on-one, -on -one, like, hey, this is how you do it. This is how you don't do it. A lot of clients will learn more from how do I not do it. For example, if you're teaching a plank, you might go, this is how you do a plank. This is what you want to do. And you go, and what we don't want you to do is stick your butt way up in the air. And you can get funny with that if you want. But they're going to learn, okay, I don't want to stick my butt up in the air and they're going to lower their butt. So their form is going to be better just because I told them not to stick their butt up in the air, not because of all the other awesome cues. I just gave them yes. how to do it correctly. So really teaching people not to do that. One time we had a challenge party. I'm not sure if I've shared this yet and hopefully I don't get in trouble for sharing this, but at a challenge party, we had one of our team members put drugs down a client's throat. I think it was shrooms or something. I don't remember what it was, but one, this person was in the client's hotel room, which is a no-no. We actually had multiple team members in client's hotel rooms that year. And we found out after the fact. So now we have to tell them when we do these things, you are not to be in client's hotel rooms, but they were in the bathroom together and she put drugs down the client's throat and said, choose swallow. And then at two o'clock in the morning, this person is walking the hallways of the hotel 
like hallucinating. Guess what we had to do the next day? We had to fire that coach because they did something really stupid. So now we've, before we go to events, like we've had team members drunk and passed out behind clothing racks at client events and just really dumb, stupid stuff. So now before we do these events, we have to go in and say, hey, don't do these things. These are the things that have happened in the past. Don't do these things. And then every time when we say don't do these things, guess what? They don't happen anymore. But if we're not telling them these things, they might unintentionally put themselves in bad situations. All right. The mindset of being a great coach. So how do we be a great coach? So I want them going into their first day going, what do I need to become to be a great coach? What's the character that I want to play? What do I want to create? Who do I want to be? That type of mindset talk, which I wish somebody poured into me before I've ever got started because there's a lot of stories and limiting beliefs and thoughts and feelings that people have that are holding them back from being a great coach. If you own a boot camp, there are things that are holding that coach back from going and being a rock star boot camp coach and allowing themselves to go pour the energy and go put on the performance. I always call it entertaining. If you're not like for me, I am not somebody that naturally does that. I got to flip a switch and become somebody else to go put on a that type of performance. I got to tap into something else, but I give myself permission to be that person. And then when I'm done, I can go back to being Matt Wilbur, right? So I used to have different limiting beliefs that would hold me back from being able to public speak the way that I wanted to public speak. Things that would hold me back from giving the energy and the performance that I want to provide when I'm on the mats. So I had to overcome those things and I teach them the skills of how do we overcome them and let's overcome them before we even have to do it. Now, the agenda that we go over, because everyone's going to ask, we do an introduction and I'm going to go through each part. We go over the company history. We go over the company vision. We go over the core values. We go over our core tenants. I'll explain what that means in a second. We go over EOS, which is the operating system of how we run our business, because I think everyone should know how does this business run that I just walked into, how to navigate change, giving and receiving feedback, behavior change 101, giving them some skills of actually influencing, helping clients from the minute they walk in the door, fat loss 101. So we're actually speaking the same language when it comes to nutrition and how the body works and how do we help people lose fat. And then I give them a decades of lessons, which is really just a mental lessons. And then we give them a nice encouragement and challenge at the end. Because again, how do I want them to feel? When you end a boot camp, we always end with a breakdown and a message of the day. And we share appreciation and thank them for coming because we want to generate a feeling when they leave. So everybody remembers the peak and the end of something. So making sure that when you end a message, when you end a talk, when you end a boot camp, when you end a, ses a session, what's the feeling that you want them leaving with? Because that is what they're going to remember. If you've ever been to a great speech that you remember, you probably don't remember half of what they said. You remember how they made you feel. So make them feel amazing on the way out and being intentional about how do you create that. Before I go into the very nitty gritty details of each of these. Is there anything you want to throw in there, Dustin? 
Yeah, I would say, guys, we're, you're definitely going to hear Matt go through the agenda one by one in detail. Go back, write down his agenda as he said it, and put it together as a slide deck for your team as well. And it's okay to stand in front of your team and reorientate them. Like we're talking about new hires, but sometimes people need to be reminded about who we are and why we do things and what are our roots and to go back and to relive those stories. But I would also say this is a little ninja tactic. This is your content for the next one to two months. Do you, when's the last time you told the community why you opened the gym? When's the last time you told the community why you're so in, interested in health and fitness and convicted by it? When's the last time you shared your mission with the world? And some of this stuff is not meant to be kept behind closed doors and only share with the team. Share it to the world. That's what draws people to work with your brand versus the others. Because most of the others, they'll never meet the owner. They'll never meet the owner of their local Planet Fitness or LA Fitness. And so if they get to know you, people do business with people. They don't be, do business with businesses. And so again, just put this out there in addition to using it to indoctrinate your team. But no, I'm loving it, Matt. I just wanted to make that point. And a lot of this stuff is, again, not something to Dustin's point, is not something that you just do one time, you check the box, and you never go back to this information. Yeah. This is stuff that you need to be talking about a lot. So we do quarterly trainings with our team. And oftentimes, we always go back to the vision. We always go back to the core values. We always go back to our core tenants, which is how we deliver our customer experience. We're always talking about those things. Our job is to be the chief reminding officers of our business. And Patrick Lencioni did a podcast on this a couple of months ago. He said a lot of businesses need to go back and resell their team. Mm. Resell your team. So reorient them, which is the word that Dustin talked about. You need to reorient your team. So sometimes you get a feeling where things are feeling off. That is a great time to go. I need to resell and reorient the team on the vision, on the mission, on the core values, our core purpose of why we exist, the impact that we're having, and sell them on that. This podcast, I said we need to get your team high. Part of getting them high is reselling them on our purpose, why we exist, why we get up at four o'clock in the morning, why we work so freaking hard, why we do more than every other gym in our community. That's how you build an amazing team that is on fire for the mission on a regular basis. But when we don't talk about those things and we only talk about them once and then we wonder why people aren't on fire, it's because we're not talking about the things that get people on fire. Your job is to give them a purpose. So give them a purpose. When we first get started, we do an introduction. This might be the first time that I'm meeting these team members because I am not a part of the hiring process. I have an amazing team that is part of the hiring process. My wife does a majority of it. So I feel like I know every single team member before they come in and they're always shocked by how much I know about them when they get started. I'm like, I get to hear about you every day. I know a lot about you <laughs> before they even get going. But we go over what's your name, what's your hometown, what school did they go to, what's their position in the company, why you decided to be in the fitness industry, and then what stories had the biggest impact in your life and, and who you are today. So a little bit deeper level question there at the end. Sometimes there's two people in the room. Sometimes there's four people in the room. I try to make sure there's at least two. So we will wait until there, there's two people or else it gets a little bit weird of me just talking to one person for four to six hours. I do a presentation style. I'm standing. I'm giving energy. 
And it's acceptable to do that with two people in the room. It's not really acceptable to do that if there's only one person in the room. Right? So really, we want to build rapport with that person, get to know them a little bit better, but also start to the new team members start to get to know each other because that's like your orientation class, people that, that you come in with. Most of them are not in the same location, though. So this is the first time and it might be the last time that they see each other in a while. Then we go over the company history. I used to give a 15-minute speech on the company history, but then we spent a lot of money and created a high-quality company history video. And then I just add anything relevant at the end. And the goal of that too was if I ever couldn't do the vision day, like being able to have a video that was me talking and sharing where we came from. But really all it is how we started. I was in my grandma's basement, broke $100,000 in student loan debt. And then really talking about what made us successful. What made us successful was our three pillars, results, relationships, and community. And those are three things that are going to continue to make us successful. And then at the end, we talk about how important they are to the mission. So the videos, and then that leads us to you. And then I say some kind words to, to that. But now their job is to obviously carry on that mission, right? So that's how we open. Then I go into my personality type. I want the team to fundamentally understand who I am, what I'm about, and what they can expect from me. Because I am me. I am different. I am a high D. I'm like 95% D. The majority of your team, so 69% of the population is an S, which is pretty much the exact opposite of my personality type. And then the remainder are going to probably be an I, which again, me and I's are a little bit different. They want to have fun. For me, winning is fun. That is the only thing that is fun for me is I'm going to share something here for the YouTube viewers. So if you want to talk them through this, Matt, this is helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a D, right? I'm very task oriented. Give me a mission, give me a goal, and I'm going to do it. I'm also very direct. I can come across as insensitive where the S's are the exact opposite and they hate insensitivity, right? They're also slow movers. They don't like change. And so I'm the exact opposite of them. So them understanding, you know, what I'm about. The eyes love having fun. The eyes also like where I've learned with the eyes is I can be overly critical and I never realized how much being critical to eyes really affects them because they want to be told you're great. You're doing a great job. You're awesome. You're amazing. Guess what? I don't do a lot of, I don't do a lot of praise. So I've had to learn before I give any type of feedback to my eyes. I need to tell them how great they are, how awesome they're doing, all that kind of stuff before we get into that. And then our C's. They really want to know the why. They want all the little details. They want the structure. They want to know what's the plan. What are we doing next? So making sure that you're providing all of that. And a little secret too is when you start learning this, start creating all your presentations to hit every single personality type. When we do all day trainings, I make sure that we do something for every single personality type so that everybody's getting what they need and they leave feeling good. In the past, Everything would be to me, the D, we're going to dominate. We're going to be awesome. We're going to do this. We're going to accomplish this. And all I was doing was creating massive amounts of stress for every single person inside of that room because they're not wired the way that 
that I'm wired. That That's just really critically important. So my personality type is I'm a DC challenger, which just so happens to be the same personality type as Dave Ramsey, which I think is cool because I really look up to Dave Ramsey. But the D's, again, I'm going to be very direct. I'm going to say it like it is. I go 100 miles an hour. I'm going to say things that come across as insensitive, but I'm not trying to be insensitive in any capacity. That's just how I'm going to come across. The next thing I tell people is I swear. I use the F word every once in a while. So I let them know, like, I don't mean anything about it. I have a low level, low level education, even though I have a master's degree in exercise physiology, I have a low level vocabulary. I don't know many big words. So I fill them in with using swear words, but oftentimes when it's when I'm passionate about something, it will slip out. I try to do a little bit better job of not using it as much, but I do. The problem is, and what I teach them after that is it's about the message. It's not about the words. So many people get hung up on, they want the message a certain way, or they don't like how you delivered the message, but then they miss the message. And the only person that gets hurt when you don't listen to the message, because you're not willing to hear it is you, not the person giving the message. When we used to do a lot of domination workshops, people would leave and be like, this was so awesome. This is so life-changing. And they'd just be so excited. And then you get two or three emails and with the same thing. But they're like, but if you just didn't swear, like this would just be so much better. So now I start domination workshops with, hey, just so y'all are aware, I'm going to swear. I mean nothing by it. And I don't need an email at the end telling me that I shouldn't swear. And then I give the message about receiving the message, regardless of how it's presented. And it just goes over so much better because I'm setting proper expectations. I know that's a frustration. I know that might rub them the wrong way. But before they it rubs them the wrong way, how about I let them know what's about to happen so it doesn't rub them the wrong way? The other thing that I teach them is I care about creating opportunities for everybody. My whys in life are my clients, my team, and my family. And one of the ways that I carry out that why is by creating opportunities. And my job is to create the vision and then be working on the future so that I'm creating opportunities for every single person in this room. If I am in the location, if I am boots on the ground, if I'm trying to have a relationship with every single team member on our team, then guess what I'm not doing? I'm not creating the vision. I'm not working on the future and I'm not creating you opportunities. Because in the past, the expectation was I'd be in the facility. I'd be creating a relationship with them. And when people don't see you, they're instant, they fill the gap. So I always say idle minds are the devil's playground. When you are not present and you're not influencing them in any capacity, then they're going to have an idle mind and they are going to decide what does that mean? What does it mean when Matt's not here? What does it mean when he's not present? What does it mean that he's not creating a relationship with me? Idle minds are the devil's playground. So let's not let them have the idle mind. Let's not let them create the meaning of what does it mean? You create the meaning. You create what does this mean? What is What's the thoughts that you should have be about me not being in the location? What's the beliefs that you should have about me not being in the location? What's the feelings that you should have about me not being in the location? You can set that on the vision day. Take advantage of that. So important. And I talked about this before, but 
the last piece of it is just clear expectations and letting them know that the reason why I'm sharing this is because I want you guys having clear expectations. If you go into this, that your expectation is X and I'm doing the exact opposite, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be upset. You're going to have resentment. You're going to have negative thoughts, negative beliefs, negative feelings about me. And who wants to have negative thoughts, beliefs, and feelings about the person that they work for? You have the opportunity to influence that so that doesn't happen. So I go in depth on that for 10 to 15 minutes because it is so important and has caused so much fracture inside of my business just because I didn't take time to address it and them to truly understand who I am, what I'm about, what they can expect from me while they're working here at our company. Any thoughts on that, Dustin? I think it's incredible. And I think most gym owners are not telling them these things. And I just like that you're bringing it to their awareness. Because I think as entrepreneurs, we go through stages of awareness in not only ourselves, but business practices. So you're literally like raising it to the next level. So I hope everyone's taking good notes. If you're driving, you definitely got to go replay this. But essentially, it's one of those things that I bet a lot of people are raising their hand. I know there's many of these that I'm raising my hand, that I'm an offsite owner and there's things I can do better to set expectations. But I would say, hey, guys, this is for you to get ahead. Everything I'm hearing, common theme and what you're teaching, Matt, is get ahead of the problems. Because a lot of times we react to the problems once they show up. You're sharing past pain. You're sharing, here's how you can be a better team member. Here's what frustrations we've had with past team members. And you're showing them that you're paying attention too. They're like, oh, they take notes on the problems here in this company and then teach it to the new hires. Holy cow. So essentially, you're just really trying to make it work with this person. And that's why this is so important. And this is why it's a topic we honestly, I don't think I've ever heard another business guru say to, to their followers and to their listeners and to their students is to just really double down on this onboarding of a new hire. I'm so glad we're hitting it. I think we're trailblazers in this way, Matt, of being the ones to bring this to everyone's minds. Yeah, well done. It's, pro, it's proactive leadership. John that's Maxwell says leadership is influence, but what are, we, what are we influencing? Their thoughts, their beliefs, their feelings. We're influencing their state because their state drives their actions. Their actions create their outcomes. So let's create positive states before they ever get started. And what used to be a negative is now actually a positive because now Matt's not here. Before, it was an absolute negative. It created negative states, which creates negative actions, which creates negative outcomes. Now it's like Matt shouldn't be here because if Matt's here, that means that he's not working on the vision. That means that Matt's not working on creating opportunities for us. That means there's probably a problem in the business if Matt ultimately is here all the time. So we don't want Matt here. Where in, in the past, it was like, I just can't get over the fact that the issues that this is causing. So... Yes, the pain, but being proactive leaders, proactively influencing the thoughts, the beliefs, and the feelings that your team is experiencing before they ever get started. All right, let's talk about the company vision. So we go over our company's core purpose and how we're going to live that out with our vision. So we're saying, here's our core purpose as a company. I go in depth of how the core purpose was created and the core purpose of our business is to transform the industry through leadership. It was actually created in the pain of 20 and 21. So during the company history, I talk about 
in 2019, everything was amazing. Everything was great. Everything was working so well. We had this big, massive vision, this big, massive dream, and it was just completely stripped away. So in the midst of the pain, I we went, what's the injustices that, that we want to fight? What's the impact that we want to have on this industry? What do we want to commit the next decade of our lives to? And that created our core purpose. And the reason why that's our core purpose is because our industry is broken. It's broken for the students. It's broken for the coaches. It's broken for the business owners. And it's broken for the clients. And we're putting our hat here and saying, we're going to make a difference by being leaders in this industry. It's a very bold claim. And then I back it up with, this is what we're going to do. So this is how we're... Our, our business model is going to help the clients. This is how our business model is going to help the students. This is how our business model is going to help the coaches. This is why we're creating Fitness Empire, is to help the business owners. I'm creating a school in 2024 for personal trainers because colleges are failing students. Oh, yeah. And then with all of that, I'm showing them how this actually lives out our core purpose. But leadership takes courage. Everything that we're about to do takes massive courage, but we're going to do it. And they're going to be a part of that and showing them how there's going to be opportunities. And I say, Nick Saban says this to every recruit that comes through his door. Most people are saying, I'll pay you X, Y, and Z. I'll give you playing time. Nick Saban says, I'll give you an opportunity. That is the only thing that I can offer you. And that's what I tell them right then and there. The only thing I can offer you is there's going to be an opportunity. If you come in, you work hard, you live our core values, there's going to be an opportunity where in the past, if you didn't want to go on to a management position, that was it. Now there is going to be so many different avenues of you to stay inside of the fitness industry through everything that we're going to be offering. It doesn't have to be a coach to, to succeed in the fitness industry. And none of that was ever provided before. And then there's also opportunities that we're going to be creating for our team that are really awesome. If you ever come to a domination workshop or join the mentorship, I will share that with you of where we're going. Next thing we cover is our company model and how our business wins. I think that's critically important. I know, Dustin, in a previous episode, you talked about having open books with your team. I also think it's important that your team understands how does our business succeed? How do we win? Because when the business wins, you guys are going to win. But if they don't understand how the business wins, then how can they execute against that? We go over, I give them our elevator pitch. So if someone would ever ask you, what is Transform Fitness? They'd be able to describe what is Transform Fitness. And then what are our big differentiators? What is the differentiators between our company and everybody else? So our differentiators and our locations are customer service. I want to beat in the fact that we are customer service-based business. That is the number one thing. And I want to beat that in from the very, very beginning and how important that is and how most gyms don't provide very good customer service, which is one of the reasons why most gyms aren't successful. We provide a custom fitness solution and we go through what is a custom fitness solution and how do we provide a custom fitness solution, which is different than most gyms, and then results. So those are the three big differentiators inside of our business. So we go in depth on what that looks like. Then we go over our company's core values really deep on how to live them. And then I go over examples of how we don't live them. Some of the biggest frustrations that we've had in our business, but as Dustin, like 
It's not good enough just to say, hey, don't do these things. You need to tie when you don't do these things to how this means that you're not living out our core values. It has a lot more meaning to people. If you can discipline and tie back actions to living and not living our core values versus just saying, hey, you did a bad job or that's wrong, tie it back to our core values. So we go in depth on that. The next thing that we go on is core tenets. And core tenets are really 11 things that we do in our business to make sure that we provide a consistent customer experience. So every time that somebody comes into our business, we want to do these 11 things inside of our business. We'll do a, another podcast in the future on customer service and how to deliver an amazing customer service. If you come to, we'll talk about it in the mentorship. We'll also talk about it if you come to a domination workshop in the future, we'll go very deep into that. But the cool part is you also be able to see it. Not just me explaining it and teaching and telling you how to do it, but actually see it, actually feel it. There is so much magic in feeling it versus just seeing it or seeing it on a piece of paper, right? 100%. So we go in depth on the core tenets. It's also the core values. The core tenets are also in their coach's playbook. So again, it's not something that we talk about one time. And then throughout the 12 weeks, guess what we're talking about with them? What are we making sure that they're living on? And then when we're looking at how well are they doing and we're reviewing them, guess what we're looking at? Their core tenets. We inspect what we expect, but they need to know what's important. How do I win in my position? How do I do a great job? And a lot of that is based around our core tenants inside of our business. And then we go through the EOS process. We just talk about what EOS is, what we do every 90 days. We do it quarterly. After those 90 days, we have our company rocks. Those are our priorities. Those are the things that we focus on. The whole company knows what that is. So we live in a 90-day world that these are our priorities and everyone's focus is on accomplishing these things. After we do our quarterly, we do quarterly state of the business, which is that's when we shut down our locations. And guess what? We re revisit the vision. We revisit the core values. We revisit the core tenets. And then we do re re revisit training so that we're providing an amazing client experience to our clients every single time. And then... The next thing that we talk about, which is really important, is how to navigate change. There, there's change is going to be expected. You got death, taxes, and you got change. Change is going to happen all the time. But our company, we innovate a lot. Dustin, I know you innovate a lot. I know you're always kind of, or you're tweaking and making things better and you're making, you're improving them. And me and you, we can't sit idle, right? We can't just do the same thing over and over and over again. Especially if we get idle, we're going to start tweaking something. And sometimes that might not be the greatest thing in the world, but that's just the truth. Yeah. But again, I was going to hey, just say this, Matt. This is a cause that sometimes is it, is that we're bored. And so if you're variety driven, it is one of the human needs. You're like, I can't do this, this program again. We're going we're gonna to mix it up. We're trying a new challenge. But they say business is boring. And if you can just lock on to the things that work, you just do them over and over again. When you want to blow your brains out, you do it a hundred more times. And that is what <laughs> the secrets of business is. But I have to be mindful of it and I own it. I tell the team this because I want them to call me out. If they think, Dustin, is this you just being variety driven and you need to satisfy your variety needs? Or is this an actual pivot that's going to improve the company? And so I think calling out who you are, that's why I love that you do, Matt. You say, here's, I'm a D, this is what it means. 
let's embrace who we are, but let's recognize that someone's just going from default setting, not because they're trying to like make your life a living hell. And if you can understand why people do the things they do and how they're wired, you become a lot more, more empathetic and compassionate to them. And so I call myself out on my tendency so the team can call it out too. And guess what? You don't get offended when you call it out on yourself first. So again, business is boring. We tend to play with things because we're bored and we just want to do see something new. Mastery is about really locking in onto it and doing hundreds and thousands of reps. <laughs> hey guys, it's Dustin with the Fitness Empire and I want to share with you an exciting opportunity. All right. Myself and Matt Wilbur, we are putting together a Fitness Empire mentorship. So what is this exactly? This is for gym owners who want guidance, coaching, and mentorship to get them to the next level of business growth, all right? Now, this is only for people who are actually interested in creating transformation in their clients and in their community, okay? If you're just sales-driven and marketing-driven, we are not about that. We do give you strategies and tactics, but we want to solve the deep rooted issues within every fitness business that will lead it to be a generational business, meaning it'll be around for decades to come. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, then I wanna encourage you to join the Fitness Empire mentorship. And so what you wanna do is you wanna to go to yourfitnessempire.com, read all about the mentorship. And if it sounds like something that speaks to you, then I encourage you to sign up because enrollment is open now. This is not something that we are actively allowing enrollment all year round. We have specific periods where you can join the program. So if that is something that you wanna join because you need that help, you want to learn from people who have 30 years of combined experience in over a dozen operating gyms, then I wanna encourage you to come in and work with us. So go to that link, yourfitnessempire.com and check out to learn more about the program. Let's get back to the podcast. And just because they're not saying it doesn't mean they're not thinking it either, right? So yes. obviously too, well, if you can call out and say what they're thinking, think about when you're meeting with a client, if you can explain their pain points and their issues better than they can, you establish trust. And when you establish trust, you're like, hey, I think this dude can help me because they understand me. So being able, you gain trust with your team by being able to call out your weaknesses and your defaults and say the things that they're thinking. Hey, you're probably thinking X, Y, and Z. And they're like, yep. But they're like, oh, he understands. And it, they gain a lot more trust with you. But navigating change, there's always going to be change. We're an innovative company. We want to always improve. We always want to get better. I always believe that there is, there's another level that we can take what we do. But just think about COVID. We changed our business model 10 times, not because I needed to fulfill a need of any kind. I would have happily just maintained whatever we were doing in 2019. But every time the governor would come on TV and say, there's new mandates, we would have to pivot and we'd have to change. So we went through this process of changing all the time. So I had to learn how do you communicate change? How do you lead through change? And then also, how do you like prepare your team's mindset around change so when change does happen, they're better suited to handle that? So we go through the seven psychological losses that people go through when change happens. And one of the important things to understand is even when it's good change, you still have loss. So think about some of the happiest times in your life. And I always give a presentation based on my son, who's two and a half years old, is the greatest blessing on earth. 
Most parents will say that. But think about all the losses you occurred by having that blessing. So the seven areas, I'm not going to rattle them all off, but one of them is identity. So I struggled with my identity. I wanted to be this badass business leader and conquer the world, but I also wanted to be the best dad in the world to my son. My dad was never around. So I have this identity battle between doing what it takes to be this badass business owner and then doing what it takes to be this awesome dad, which for 35 years, I never had to battle that. I could just go all in on being this awesome business owner and there's nothing competing with that identity. Now there is, and it's my son who's the most important thing in my entire life outside of my wife, right? But those things were in conflict and I was, I was struggling. So yes, it was great. My son's amazing, but I was still experiencing some level of love. Structure is one of them. Kiss structure goodbye. Have a newborn baby. You have no structure. Another one is turf. That kid took up my, I have a 7,000 square foot house. That kid has taken up every square foot of that house <laughs> except for my bedroom. And he's trying to, <laughs> right? So you just look at all, all the areas of loss. You lose control. Control it. Control a newborn. Control a two and a half year old. I don't know at what age you feel like you're in control of your kids. I can't imagine you ever feel in control of your kids. No. So you start losing all this stuff. And then you go, why am I not happy? This kid is the biggest blessing in my life. Why am I frustrated with some things? But if you expect that to happen, then it's okay. We just recently changed our gym model massively. All the clients are going through seven stages, has seven areas of loss that they're going through. And some of them are acting emotional about it, which is to be expected. And then there's four ways that you can respond. So once you have those seven areas of loss, there's four ways that people can respond. And like, now you can see clients are responding this way because they're, this is how they're responding or this is how they're responding. But when you know why and it's expected, it's a lot easier to go through. So I give them the tools that they need. And then we talk about how do we communicate change as a leader of people, which everybody on our team is a leader because leadership is influence. The team needs to know how do we communicate change to others? How do we help them navigate the change process? So there's four P's that you go through and we talk about those. It's the purpose, it's the picture, it's the plan, and it's the part. You need to communicate all those things. Has any personal trainer on planet Earth ever been talked about how do you communicate change to another human being? No. Probably not. But guess what you're asking people to do when you ask them to change their diet, when you ask them to change their workout, when you ask them to change their lifestyle, and you don't even know how to communicate it, and you don't know why they're frustrated or why they're having issues. Guess what? When you ask them to change their diet, they just lost seven things in their life potentially. When you ask them to change their workouts, they just lost seven things, and they're responding in a certain way. And oftentimes we can get ahead of those things if we proactively communicate the right way, if we proactively communicate the purpose, if we proactively communicate the picture, if we proactively communicate the plan, if we proactively communicate the part. And the part is really helping influence their thoughts, their beliefs, and their feelings about the change that you're making. Because if you're not communicating that, where are those thoughts, those beliefs, and those feelings coming from? 
themselves. And guess what? When when they're, you're not communicating, you got an idle mind. And the idle mind is the devil's playground, and it's going to be negative. So you need to be communicating. I teach them that on the first day with me. They are better prepared to lead people than most people have been in the industry for decades. The next thing that we go over is giving and receiving feedback because we are a feedback culture. The only way to get better is to get coaching and to get feedback. If they're not prepared to say, hey, here's some things that you need to improve upon. Here's some things that I was saying that I would like you to change or get better at. They're going to be in a negative mindset while they're with us. They're going to be in a negative state. They can't receive feedback and they're getting feedback all the time. Then they're going to be consistently in a negative state. And you do not want your hires, your new hires to be in a negative state because they don't know how to receive feedback. And the biggest thing we have them go through Craig Rochelle's giving and receiving feedback. He's got two podcasts on that. It is the best I think content on feedback on planet earth. So we make it a part of our 12 week program, but you got to separate what from the who a lot of people get feedback and they make it about themselves. Oh, I suck. I'm not good. So no, you just need to do this thing better. The what needs to improve. It has nothing to do with you as a human being. It has nothing to do with your worth on this planet. It just, these are the things that we need you to approve upon and them understanding that. And then I give them gentle encouragement to seek feedback. I'm like, a way you can separate yourself from all the other team members is if you're the one always going to your boss and saying, hey, how can I get better? How can I improve? Because most people aren't doing that. Most people are defensive and combative and don't receive feedback. I don't want to be around you and I don't want to give you feedback if, if that's how you receive it. And I also say, Receiving feedback is more about your body language than the words that you say. A lot of people will say, yeah, I got it. Okay, I got it. But really, they're slumped over. They're negative. They look angry. They look upset. They're very defensive. They're closed off. That's the energy that they're putting out. I don't want to go give you feedback again, but I need to because that's my job, right? So be the person that's open to it. Imagine if you said, thank you for the feedback. I really appreciate it. Like, again, setting them up of this is how you win in our organization. This is how you can separate yourself. And this is the info that they're getting from the very beginning. Before I keep talking, because I'm sure the listeners are sick of hearing me, and I know you got some insights on this. Anything you want to add to the conversation on these topics? You're bringing the thunder, man. What I want to point out that you are doing for these people, let's face it, most of us are hiring typically younger folks in this industry. It is fueled by the young and that's okay. We want to give these people a amazing career and a path in life and early mentorship. Imagine if you are in your thirties and forties and maybe even fifties as a gym owner, if somebody like you came into your life at that age and helped you, like how crazy would you multiply at what speed? What you're also doing, I mentioned there's a common theme here. Another one that I'm resonating and seeing is you're teaching them how to adult, right? Teaching them how to be organized and to live on a calendar and to be on time and to be professional. You're teaching them how to communicate. Maybe their parents did an awful job. Guess what? You're just going to keep barreling through life with awful communication skills till a mentor comes in and teaches you this is the way to do it. And that way, I want you to change the trajectory because if you don't, you're going to go down this way. But if you do, this is going to happen. 
and you're teaching them how to navigate change. Maybe their parents never sat them down, teaching them how business runs. You're literally giving them business 101. You're teaching them how to behave inside of a place of business with the core values and core tenets. So you're literally teaching them how to adult, which sounds funny and it might be demeaning to somebody who's younger, but understand this is extremely powerful. And I just see how it can completely change the trajectory of somebody's life. No wonder you have such a successful business, Matt, and you have your team of high performers achieving great things because you're taking young people and you're shaping them. And that's what a leader is supposed to do, right? And then they're going to shape, continue to shape the people that they care for. And it's going to trickle down to the organization. So that that's something I just wanted to point out that you're doing here for these people is Chick-fil-A does it as well, right? We hear that they're great and they're good at really hiring young people with no experience in the workplace and shaping them to have an amazing career and adult life. So remember, gym owners, that's what you're doing to these people is you're also just showing them how to adult in life. One of the things I talk about at these days is my goal is to give you tools and resources that are going to impact the rest of your life. It's not just, hey, I want to make you a good employee. It's I want to give you the tools and resources that I've learned because I'm a student of behavior change. I'm a student of leadership. I'm a student of all like this game. Like I love this game. I'm all in on this game. And I want to teach you the stuff that I wish I knew going into this industry. I like I can't imagine where I would be if I had these tools, these resources, this mindset a long time ago. And my job is to make you a better human. And it's not just to make you a better employee. So it's self like it's not a self-serving thing to to share this stuff with your team. It's very selfless. Because I know ideal world, yes, I would love team members to be here the rest of my life. That would be so awesome. But the realities are that if you can keep a coach for three to five years, you're doing something amazing. Give them the tools and the resources that have the ability to influence and impact them the rest of their life. The next thing that we go over is behavior change. I call it behavior change 101. We can't give them everything on behavior change, but I like to give them just a few things that little tools that they can use right away to start helping clients. The number one thing that I like to share is there's a book called Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. He's a Stanford researcher. It's just such an amazing book and it breaks down the system of behavior change in such an easy way that I feel like anybody can take it and apply it and be able to make it useful to creating habits in your life, creating habits in other people's lives. But he says behavior is it's a combination of motivation, ability, and prompts. So oftentimes, the bad behaviors that we want clients to do, not do, are highly motivating. Think about your phone. If you're addicted to your phone, is there anything I can do in the world to get you to not be motivated to be on your phone? I don't think there is. So there's no reason in trying to demotivate somebody to use the phone. Because the minute you look at your phone and you start phone sucking, you get a dopamine hit. It's highly rewarding. How are our habits formed? You have a cue, you have a routine, and then you have a reward. It's highly rewarding. Most bad habits in life are highly rewarding. So there's no sense in trying to make something less motivating. But what we can do, if we want them to perform a habit, we need to make it easy to do. If we want them to not do a habit, we need to make it harder to do. 
if this phone is next to my bedside at night and I want to quit the habit of phone sucking before I go to bed, then I need to put my phone in a place that's really hard to get to, or I can lock my phone with a password that I can't access it to. I can make it really hard to do that. So that would be how do we make it hard to do? And then to make it easy to do, right? It's already easy to do. So quitting your phone is really hard. The next part of that is a prompt. How do we create a prompt or how do we eliminate the prompt to do it? So that would be like the cue and a behavior change model is how do you add a prompt if I want you to do the activity? And then how do I eliminate a prompt if I want to eliminate the activity? Because without a prompt, you're not going to do an activity, even if you're motivated and you it's easy for you to be able to do. Most people have a phone issue because guess what? You have a walking prompt on you at all times. I think the average person, I forgot what it was. It depends on what you look at. I think it's 356 times a day you look at your phone in some capacity. That's 356 prompts a day to be on your phone. And then we wonder why we're addicted to our phone. It's motivating, it's easy, and we have a prompt. Hence, people are addicted. Super simple. And I'll give one last example, which is a fitness example. If you have a, if you're looking on YouTube, you can see my phone, but if you have a, if you track your food traditionally on a food tracking app, typically when you download an app, it's on the last screen of your phone, right? So there was a time I was trying to track my food, but the app was on the fourth screen of my phone. So in order for me to do it, I had no no prompt, right? It was actually challenging for me to do because it was on the fourth thing of my phone. I had, So I had to be highly motivated. I had no prompt. I had to be highly motivated and it was hard to do. So how consistent do you think I was with tracking my food? Not very consistent. So I took this model. I go, okay, take the model, apply it to your life. What I did was I took the food tracking app, I put it right next to my social media apps in my folder, which every time I go on my phone, I check my social media. Guess what? I just created a 356 time prompt on my phone to track my food. I made it easy to do because it was right there. I didn't have to think about it. So then I didn't need to be highly motivated to do that activity. You can apply that to anything in life. So if a client is struggling, put it through that framework. How do we make it easy to do and how do we create a prompt? How do we create a system of behavior change in that client's life? They don't need to go into the deep psychological issues that somebody may be having. We don't need to go into their thoughts, their beliefs, their feelings, and all that higher level stuff that creates their states. Most coaches don't even have the time to have those conversations, but we do have the time to go, okay, let's create a system of behavior change. So if you're struggling to food prep, how do we make it easier and how do we create a prompt for you to do that? If you're struggling with getting your workouts, how do we create a system to be able to do that? Now they can have these conversations with clients and help them in five minutes, where before they probably weren't equipped of how do I help somebody? The last piece that we go through, it's not the last piece, but the fat loss 101. Everybody comes in with different philosophies on nutrition, different philosophies on what is fat loss or how do we get fat loss? I want our team speaking the same language. So when we talk about metabolism, when we talk about a calorie deficit, when we talk about macros, when we talk about our nutrition philosophy and our nutrition system, 
I want everybody going out and speaking the same thing. They're the fastest way to lose trust with a customer, with a client, is if I have a conversation with trainer one, and then I have a conversation with trainer two, and they tell me two completely different things when it comes to metabolism and nutrition and weight loss and what do I need to do, you go, who do I believe? Who do I trust? And this place doesn't even have, I can't trust this place anymore because everybody says something different. So I want everybody on the same page. So we go in depth on that and not to sound arrogant, but I have 20 years of studying fat loss. So I would like to think that the knowledge that they're getting is going to put them in the top 5% of personal trainers in the entire country when it comes to this topic. Because when I talk about fat loss and what it actually takes and everything that goes into it, I've had team members been around for 10 years and I didn't know that was a thing or I didn't know that to that level. And I like to take everything from theory to application where a lot of people struggle because they just give theory, but then they don't go, this is how you actually apply the theory. I love being able to take high level concepts and go, this is how you actually apply it inside of your business or working with clients so that you can actually take it and execute against it. Before I get in the last part, anything you want to add, Dustin? I would say my observation is there's three types of coaches. You're going to see the coaches that love the training. They like programming. They like queuing. They like being on the floor and delivering workouts. And then you got a second set of coaches that obsess on nutrition. And they are the ones you say, oh, you don't even got to go to the gym. You could just do nutrition. You'll lose fat. And they're getting nutrition certs. They're reading lots of diet books. And so they're very heavily nutrition. They see the workouts as more like a stress reliever or just like a fun thing to do. And then the third they really focus on both. They split their attention and they know the value of training and the value of nutrition. My observation is the people who are applying at your gyms, gym owners are only in category one. You're probably not getting any nutrition, hardcore experts applying to work in a gym. They're probably trying to be online and be nutrition coaches. And then you're not going to get those unicorns that see training and nutrition, you know, equally and dive into both. They usually just love the training. So what I love you're doing, Matt, is you're downloading into them calling it fat loss 101 but i would even say it's nutrition 101 because that's probably the gap you guys probably don't have a whole lot of discrepancies i know some people are in olympic lifting some are bodybuilding some do a lot of body weight at the end of the day we know we're just trying to put resistance on the body there's probably not a lot of like argumenting on that just preferences where the arguments happen in nutrition that's where people start acting like a gang i'm in the keto gang i'm in the low carb gang i'm in the gang And if you're not in my gang, you're the enemy. And so I think they need to know, like at your facility, what do you preach? Because I know I felt that way. Even when I've had business coaches, that one coach told me to do A and one would say B and I froze because I didn't know what to do. And I respected both. And I've had that a client has shared with me like, hey, one of your coaches said this, one of your coaches said that, Dustin, what do you think I should do? And I think that, again, it starts to create these rifts in the team that they're like, hey, these guys are obviously not on the same page. One's telling me to do low carb, but one tells me I need to eat more carbs and more calories. You really need to be on the same page and be putting out the same message. So give these coaches like a base understanding of nutrition and how you want it coach. Because at the end of the day, they're there to represent your brand, not to put their personal beliefs on the client. The only other thing I'm going to add on that is the beginner way to nutrition coach. I've made this mistake. I'm curious if you did too, Matt. Most coaches will begin to train other people the way they lost fat. And as you become more and more knowledgeable about nutrition, you understand there is no one size fits all. You will have to give customization. 
it'd be great if we could all just find that thing and then all gyms would align and we'd all push it out. But the more and more you learn about it, you're like, holy cow, there's some complexity and nuance. I need to customize my advice for every client. I can have frameworks, beliefs, like we all probably believe protein's a good thing for fat loss. We all believe water helps the body. We're all probably aligned in many core beliefs, but then there's those nuances based on the client's lifestyle and eating habits and culture and schedule. And so that's where the coaches need some understanding, like what should I do in these situations? So again, the lazy and beginner coach will say, here's what I did, just do that and not ask any intake questions. That's the sign they're green or they don't know how to coach somebody in nutrition. So these are the things that I just want to point out to you guys is give them a base understanding of nutrition, show them that what might have worked for that client, a coach, if they've gone through a transformation, maybe they didn't, but if they did tell them, hey, just want to put in radar, what worked for you is not going to work for everybody. These are some good things to add on top of what you're saying, Matt. 100%. A lot of people have training and nutritional biases, like you just yeah. said. So this is how I train, therefore everybody else should train this way. This is how I eat, so this is how everybody else should eat. There are universal principles, like there's universal principles around fat loss. You need to be in a calorie deficit. But a lot of people don't even understand what does calorie deficit even mean. And then if you want fat loss, we want to be in a calorie deficit and making sure we're getting enough protein. That, at the foundation, that's where it's at, but then what's the vehicles that we use to help people achieve that? And being able to say, hey, like in our locations, we have three options that, that we can help clients. So we, we show them and I say, there's not a one size fits all. But them knowing what the options are and how we help clients, what you're doing is building credibility in your business. You're building trust with your team members because you're like, hey, they know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing. Now, now again, we talked about having confidence. Like now I have confidence that this place can actually help people because I know how we help people. And depending on how you guys deliver nutrition and what you do, this would be a good time too to, hey, this is what you can do as a coach. This is what I don't want you doing. So if clients are coming to you and asking questions, let's just say you don't want that coach actually having a nutritional conversation with a client. How do we have nutritional conversations? Being able to say, hey, this person is the person that you're going to want to talk to. Let me set up a meeting with them or let me introduce you to them so you can have the conversation about nutrition. So however you want things done, in your business from a nutritional standpoint or anything in your business, you need to put the lay of the land right there so that they're aware of what's happening, which gives them confidence going into it when they do have to have these conversations. Because guess what? They're going to have the conversations. There are clients that go to a coach, get an answer, go to another coach, get an answer, go to another coach, get an answer. And it's like, how many coaches do you need to talk to get the same answer? Some of it, honestly, they're just looking to find contradictions in what we're saying. There are people in the world that do that shit. And I, they're not my friends. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Last part of this. I share a decade of lessons and it's all everything I wish I knew coming into the fitness industry, how to have the mindset to create the life that they desire, which is my ultimate hope for them is really creating the life that they want. I say, speak life into them. Hopefully some wisdom. I think I have some wisdom. I want to share that with them and really speaking to them like they were, they're my kid going into this new endeavor. And that's how I treat them. Ed Millett said this a long time ago and it stuck with me. Everybody is somebody's kid. Every single person on planet earth is somebody else's kid. And 
how would you want somebody to be speaking to your child? What would you want them to be sharing with your child? How would you want them to be treating your child? Think of it that way. So if you struggle with empathy, just picture the fact that is somebody else's kid. That is somebody else's world. And you'll start to find that, that empathy for that person. One of the biggest things that I teach people is how to manage their states. So how do we influence, how do we manage, and how do we control our states? And that is the biggest blessing I can ever give somebody because, again, our states drive our actions, our actions drive our outcomes. So if you can learn to influence and manage and control your state, you can start to produce the outcomes that you want in life. But if you're never in control and you can never influence and you can never manage, like you're never going to be in control of the outcomes of your life. But then in retrospect, if you can learn to do that with yourself, guess what we're trying to do with clients? We're trying to influence, manage, and control their states to create positive outcomes with their fitness, positive outcomes with their nutrition, positive outcomes in their life, and produce certain feelings in the clients when they come through our doors. And the entire game of life is that, is the ability to influence, manage, and create the states that create the outcomes that we want in our life. But if you never even know if that's possible or how do we do that, then how do you win at life when that's the game? So I teach them the game before they ever get started, but then hopefully it improves their life, but then they have the tools and the resources to go do that downstream with the clients that, that they affect. Because most people's states, again, their thoughts, their beliefs, and their feelings about the gym about the changes that you want to make with their workouts, about the changes you want to make with their nutrition are all negative. And until we change those to positive and have the tools to help the clients change those to positive, we're never going to actually permanently make a change in their life. So we always hear identity, which is the thoughts and beliefs that we hold true of ourselves. So we want clients to have an identity change but really, what is an identity change? It's in a permanent state change around that activity. So we want to have a permanent state change around workouts. We want to have a permanent state change around nutrition. And we want it to be positive. And them understanding every day we have the ability to influence clients' states. And we can't take that for granted. That's why we have to always show up and always be positive. Why we can't let them say negative shit when they come through our doors. Because negativity as a multiplier 40 to 70 times, right? Like we think about that. If they're coming in and they're talking negative about the workouts, what is that doing to their states? If they're coming in and talking negative about their diet and what we want them to do, what is that doing to them? Now they're associating negativity with the thing that we want them to be consistent with. So again, understanding what is the game is really important. And then we send them off. And it's like the final hurrah, right? So we're building up to this final hurrah. We have a video and it's team members talking about how we get to impact people's lives and really trying to produce this, this feeling of what is the impact and legacy that I want to have on this world? And like, how do we get them fired up, wanting to run through the door and go start changing and improving clients' lives? That's what we're trying to do. So we create another high-level video and then I end with the final thing and it's a talk about what i call the alter ego and i first learned this from there's a guy his name's charlie jubilee he used to be 
CEO Charlie. That was his identity. That's who he was. He was two chains manager and another person's manager. And when he was being the manager, he was CEO Charlie. So when he was having to negotiate deals or trying to sell or whatever was required to do his job at a high level, he took on the identity of CEO Charlie and he could do hard shit. He could have those hard conversations. He could make anything happen. But what happened to his body, he was 300 plus pounds. He had a brain tumor and he thought he was going to die. And then one day he comes up with this idea that he wants to become a Nike sponsored athlete. Guess what? CEO Charlie Jubilee is never going to be Nike sponsored athlete. So he takes on the identity of Charlie Rocket. And Charlie Rocket can do hard things. Charlie Rocket, when he wants to get off the bike, keeps pedaling. Charlie Rocket, when he wants to eat something bad, he eats something healthy. Right? The other people couldn't do that, but that person can. So what that happens when you create an alter ego is you take on the identity of somebody else. You take on the identity of a character. You take on their thoughts. You take on their beliefs. You take on their feelings. So now you're living in that person's state. And you can truly, when you do that, you give yourself permission to play a character. Everybody who's in a movie is playing a character. They take on the thoughts, the beliefs, and the feelings of that person, and they portray it on camera. Not who they are, whatever their name is, right? They're acting. You can act. You can intentionally create anything you want to be in life. And then when you start taking, you start doing those activities, eventually you become that person. And the hammer home this point, everybody loves Kobe Bryant. Everyone knows he's the Black Mamba. The Black Mamba is an alter ego. That is a character that Kobe Bryant would play. So before basketball games, he would have a soundtrack on of Michael Myers, the one where before he goes and kills people, the ee, 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 really creepy, right? He would play that because the Black Mamba was a killer on the court. The Black Mamba would do whatever it took. The Black Mamba would run through people. He would do vicious stuff. Kobe Bryant was not a clean basketball player. The guy was ruthless on the basketball court because he was the Black Mamba. He was not Kobe Bryant when he played basketball games. He tapped into that character. And the last one is my favorite one of all time because it's one of our previous interns. His name was Sahil. He was from India. When he was in India, he was 100 pounds overweight. He didn't work out. He was out of shape. And he came to America and he said, I want to become an athlete. So he took on the persona, the identity of an athlete. He started going, how would an athlete train? How would an athlete eat? And over time, he lost 100 pounds. And wow. it all came to the culmination at the end of his intern one of our clients in Forest Hills came up to him and said, what sports do you play? You look like you're an athlete. Wow. He became that identity. He took on that identity. And I share this with our team members. And then I tell them, you can be anything you want in life. You can show up tomorrow any way you want. You can give a rock star session tomorrow if you give yourself permission, the only thing holding you back is your past stories, your past beliefs, your past thoughts, your past feelings. You worrying about what other people think about you. No one knows what's happened to you the last 22, 23, 24, 25, 26 years. You can show up tomorrow 
playing any character you want. And here's the cool part. You create it and then you become it. Every day you act in accordance with that identity, you get closer to becoming that person. And one day you wake up, you are that person. One day you wake up and you have those thoughts, those beliefs, those feelings. You become that next best version. And I always tell them every time I took on a new role, a new thing, I say, who do I need to become in order to do that? What do I need to become in order to excel? And then I become that person. So what I'm doing is I'm giving them permission to show up at the version that they wish they could show up at. But there's always been something holding them back in life. And the goal is to cut the anchor off right then and there so that they can show up. And then I challenge them with, who do you want to become on your way home, on your car ride home? I want you thinking about this thing. Who do you want to become? And then what is the legacy that you want to leave? Those are the two things I want them thinking about on the car ride home. Like those are powerful things to be thinking about, which most people spend zero time thinking about that. So that is what it looks like. Just a few final thoughts when we wrap this up is, this may be like the only impression that you get to make as the CEO on your team. So make a lasting impression. Come prepared, come intentional, because this lays the foundation to their entire experience. This is not a check the box. If you're just going to freaking check the box, don't do this shit. You will cause more harm by coming in and checking the box. They can feel that. Your team can feel if you're fired up. They can feel if you're passionate. If you're watching on YouTube, you can tell right now I'm fired up and I'm passionate about what I'm teaching because it is so important. Deliver it like your business depends on it. Deliver it like your future depends on it because it does. So come prepared, come intentional, deliver the freaking fire. You don't need to have Dustin's personality or my personality. You just have to give a shit about them. And if you don't, you shouldn't be in this business and you should not listen to this podcast. Or maybe you should listen to this podcast because we will beat into you until you do. And that's just the truth. Again, systems. What's the outcome you feel you want to produce in your team members when they go through the onboarding process? So as you're creating this, what's the outcome and feeling you want to produce? I give the team the day off. Give your team the day off. You're going to pour into them. You're going to give them a lot of information. The last thing you want them doing is getting up at four o'clock in the morning, training sessions. They're tired. They're worried about they need to go get to a training session. You want them sleeping in. You want them prepared. You want them fresh. You want them excited so that they can you can pour into them, but they actually receive that. Because if they're tired, they're not going to receive it the way that you want them to receive it. And they're also going to say, Hey, this is really important that they give me the whole day off just for this meeting. And then they're going to leave energized and excited, which is what you want. But if they're dog ass tired, good luck having them leave excited and energized. It's just not going to happen. And then the last one is schedule it for longer than you need. One, in case there's some questions, the last thing you want, the bad feeling would be you scheduled it for two hours and it goes four hours. Now you're not respecting their time. Now the feeling that they have is not positive. The whole thing could have been amazing, but now they're having negative because maybe they scheduled something after this or they had something else going That's on and now it's affecting that. You don't want to do that. So schedule it for more time than you actually need and let them out early, which again is another good feeling. And now that they have nothing else to do for the day and now they're excited about what just happened. 
that is the entire onboarding experience. I'm going to let Dustin put some final thoughts on that, and then we will let you all go. If you guys got any mics, go ahead and just drop them right now. Me and Matt, <laughs> we can't. Ours are on tripods, but that was a mic drop moment. So, yes, very well said. I don't have anything additional to add, Matt. I think the one thing that I want everybody to really receive from this is the point of today's episode and the reason Matt went so hard and detailed is because this is a topic not enough gym owners put energy into. We're focused on the leads. We're focused on this or that. This is a long-term play. This is taking care of your team, getting an amazing experience, especially I'm going to call out gym owners with high team turnover. I would say you're probably not doing this and you're not, or you're not doing it to the level you could be. So this is a, the fix. This is not a band-aid. This is the permanent fix to keep people longer term. We know no one's going to stay forever, but this is how you get people bought into your business and not having wandering eyes looking at the next gym they want to go to. And now they can now look at is yours and wanting to be there for the long haul. So again, take notes and go back and listen to this two and three times because I know you definitely didn't get it all in the first time and execute on it. That's the big thing we want to ask. Matt, what do you want to wrap up with? Yeah, the final things on this is, again, this is part one. Part two, we'll go through the step-by-step process of the 12 weeks. So if you found value in this, make sure you tune in for the next part because you could do this really well and then drop the ball on the next part. So if you really want to develop rock star coaches, which I know everybody here does, then you're going to want to tune in for that. And if you love this, I will give you everything that we do so you don't have to reinvent the wheel if you join the mentorship. So if you're listening to this and the mentorship is still open, then join. These are the assets, the resources. We'll go in depth on these things, but we'll also give them to you so you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours of trying to develop them versus you can just copy and paste and then be able to make it your own however you want to do. That is going to be the power of the mentorship. So if you want to be a part of our coaching programs right now, the only way to be a part of our coaching programs is the mentorship. Go to yourfitnessempire.com. $10 a day to be a part of this and get everything that we're going to do. So think of this, but on steroids, done for you resources, being able to ask me and Dustin Q&A, us coaching you live inside of the group and providing you everything that you need. So if you want to be a part of that, you want to be a part of the mentorship, if it's still open, yourfitnessempire.com, join the mentorship, and we will be your personal mentors to help you grow your fitness empire, grow your impact, grow your income, and run your fitness business the right way and change people's lives because that is what we are all about. All right, guys, I'll let you know this. I looked at the dates. The day, the, the week that this drops is the final week we have open enrollment for the mentorship. So jump on it now. Go to yourfitnessempire.com. Otherwise, you miss out until the next time we open it, which is going to be around anywhere from five to six months. So you don't want to be sitting on the sidelines. And come back next week because we're going to dive into actual training. What today we talked about was like this orientation and this like explanation of how we do things here then we're going to get deeper into the actual training of your staff. So keep building empires and we'll see you guys next week. Bye guys. Hey guys, before we let you go, I want to share with you the details about the fitness empire mentorship. We are now enrolling for it. And this is something that me and Matt have come together because we are wanting to help the fitness industry, the industry that has given us so much, we want to give back. All right. And that's why we're making this a very, very low price so that all gym owners are not priced out and everybody 
can enjoy this coaching and mentorship experience. So it, it's only $10 a day, if you can believe it, to join this mentorship program. So if you guys go to yourfitnessempire.com, sign up, what we are here and on a mission to do is to help you to impact lives. Yes, there will be business talk, marketing and sales and leadership and team recruitment. But at the end of the day, we're really gonna be looking at clients getting results and client experience. That is the big thing that we wanna help you solve. And it starts with you and it goes to your team and it goes to all the systems that you guys uh, use day to day. And we're gonna deep dive into all of this stuff in the mentorship. So if that sounds like something you want some help with, again, go to yourfitnessempire.com. We'll see you in the mentorship.